Well, at this time, if you would take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. As you're turning there, um, I want to mention last Sunday, of course, I announced our theme for the new year, and that theme is Magnify the Lord. Last week, I encouraged us to magnify the Lord, first of all, in our hearts, and now today, I want to focus on the importance and on the how-tos of magnifying the Lord in our homes. And uh, I know that last Sunday night in the Vision uh, Night Banquet, I talked a little bit about this. But I'm going to expand upon those thoughts and uh, bring a message I think will help the homes and the moms and dads and the grandmas and grandpas that will take heed and listen today. And I hope that you will. Second Timothy chapter 3, and if you're there, if you would stand and and join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able to do so. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read verses 14 through verse 17. And here Paul is writing to uh, a younger man in the faith named Timothy, and he says in verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And let's pray together one more time. Father, Thank you for this service thus far. Thank you for the opportunity to sing about your tremendous love for us and and the desire that we have to love you, and certainly we fall short. But Lord, we do want to love you better. We do want to love you more uh, in our own hearts and to magnify you. Lord, I pray that you would guide our minds and thoughts this morning as we zero in on the home, on the family. And I pray, Lord, that uh, this message would make a difference, would change lives. Lord, your word is uh, powerful, and it can indeed change lives. And I pray that that would happen today. I pray all these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as I've mentioned several times, God ordained only three institutions in all of Scripture. The family the human government, and the church. But the first one was the family, and that shows God's priority on the family. It's important. Now, there's no question that the home and the family is is under attack here in America in 2020, and it has been for many, many years. The enemy has used and will use anything he can to disrupt and even destroy a family from magnifying the Lord in their home. He'll, he'll use bad things that a lot of us would automatically think of, uh, things that are obvious, things like alcohol. I would probably think that most of us know at least one family in our sphere of influence that has been destroyed because of alcohol. Uh, alcohol is not a friend to our nation. Uh, it is uh, a very dangerous substance. Uh, he, uh, the devil has used things like drugs, of course. And uh, drugs have become more and more rampant as time has gone, gone on. 
And uh, now we're, we're legalizing it and selling it just about on any corner, every corner here in Moore. Uh, things like gangs, things like pornography, things like gambling. The devil has used a lot of these things to destroy families. And perhaps you could even think of some families that have been destroyed by those very, very things. But, as you know, the devil is, as the Bible says, more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The devil is sneaky, and he doesn't always say, here's cocaine, why don't you get hooked on that today? He'll use as seemingly good things as well to destroy and disrupt uh, Christian homes. He He uses things like sports. Sports are a good thing. If they weren't, I wouldn't be watching the Dallas Stars last night at 10 o'clock at night. Um, I like watching sports. I think that sports are, are not bad in and of themselves, but they can definitely be used by the devil to disrupt and destroy Christian homes. When we put all of our focus on sports, that, is, uh, that can really destroy a family. Uh, things like work. Work is a good thing. We need to do that in order to get a paycheck. But some give too much of themselves themselves to work and to the almighty dollar that they end up losing their families in the process. The devil has even sadly used good things like the ministry. The Lord's work can even become used by the devil to destroy a family. I I can't help but think of uh, a man in the Bible named Eli. Eli was a priest. And he was doing the Lord's work, but uh, he lost his family. He lost his boys. We'll talk a little bit more about him briefly in a little bit. He can use things where we get so busy that we don't have the time or the energy to magnify the Lord in our home. and, And God is less of a priority than some of these other good things. Unfortunately, many Christian homes are only Christian homes in name only. I read about uh, a story of a, a baby dedication happening at church, and after the dedication of his baby brother in church, little Johnny was crying all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three different times what was wrong, and finally the boy replied, that pastor said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. You see, many times Christian homes are just Christian homes in name only. And this little boy was afraid that he was going to have to go somewhere else if he was going to be raised in a Christian home. See, this morning we're going to look at, uh, we're going to go inside a home that magnified the Lord. Um, Not a perfect home at all, but it was a home where the Lord was lifted up, where He was honored, where He was glorified. Today we're going to inspect the home of a young man named Timothy. If you would, if you're able to turn over to Acts chapter 16, we're going to find the first mention of this man by the name of Timothy. Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 1. The life of Timothy is actually quite an interesting and fascinating study, and I would invite you and encourage you to do a little more on your own. But we're going to do a little brief uh, synopsis of his life today. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1, Then he came, Paul, to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named 
Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Uh, many believe that uh, uh, on, on Paul's first missionary journey, when he came through Lystra, that, that uh, Timothy's mom and grandma both uh, became believers, and maybe even Timothy at that time as well. And then, uh, and, and, but unfortunately, his, his dad did not become a believer. Now, mom and, and grandma were both Jews, uh, but dad was a Greek. He was a Gentile. He, he didn't believe in God. And as Paul came through and he preached the gospel, these two ladies uh, believed in Jesus Christ. They, they placed their faith in Christ alone. And as a result, uh, Tim- Timothy grew up in a partially Christian home. Right? Dad wasn't the spiritual leader here in this home, but but he did have a spiritual influence in his mom and his grandma, and that's significant. And that, I think, made the big difference for Timothy, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here as we go through the message. All right, so let's get into the, the, the thoughts here and in, in your outline if you'd like to take notes. What does it mean to magnify the Lord in our homes? What does it look like? Well, uh, I do want to uh, look at three aspects of magnifying the Lord in our homes. First of all, I want us to see, number one, the plea to magnify the Lord in our homes. The plea to magnify the Lord. In our day and age, biblical teaching and preaching on the Christian home is unfortunately rare and missing. But it's not because it's missing from the Scriptures. No, actually, it's quite emphasized uh, quite a bit throughout the Word of God. Solomon talked quite a bit about the home in the book of Proverbs. Um, and uh, we could highlight several different examples, but for sake of time, uh, we're going to just move on. But the, Pro- the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the home. Jesus, of course, talked about marriage. And then Paul uh, pled with the believers in his day to magnify the Lord in their homes in uh, a couple of his epistles, a couple of his letters. Uh, first of all, if you want to flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter number 5. We see an emphasis here and a pleading with the uh, Ephesian believers to magnify the Lord in their homes. In uh, chapter 5, in verse number 21 through the rest of the chapter, he zeroes in on marriage, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, verse 21. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then, and then in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So here in chapter 5, in the home, Paul's saying, I'm pleading with the marriage, in the marriage relationship that you would indeed magnify the Lord. Well, then in chapter 6, uh, he hits then the parent relationship. In uh, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first command with promise. You say, well, that's just an Old Testament uh, commandment. Uh, we're living in New Testament days. Okay, well, New Testament, Ephesians 6, 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And so we're not off the hook uh, from the Ten Commandments. We're being required here to magnify the Lord by uh, 
following these verses here. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So here in Ephesians, Paul is pleading with believers to magnify the Lord in their homes. Well, if you flip over a couple uh, books to the book of Colossians, and look in verse number or chapter 3, and then in verse number 18, Again, starting with wives, and uh, I mentioned last Sunday night that it's significant as Paul hits on marriage, he's talking to the wives first. Uh, That is uh, something to take note of. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And then here's uh, the parent relationship. Um, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Fathers... Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So in the, in, in, uh, in, in the book of Colossians, Paul is pleading with believers there at Colossae to magnify the Lord in their home. And then in Titus, if you uh, flip over there, Titus in chapter number 2, one of the things that Paul is encouraging and instructing Titus to do in the church, he was a pastor there that was supposed to set in order the things that are wanting there on the island of Crete. And in chapter 2, he says in verse number uh, 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given uh, to much wine, teachers of good things. And here's what they're supposed to be teaching the the younger women. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, because sometimes their children are very unlovable. We've got four, we know. To love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So here, as Paul is telling Titus, basically, here's some curriculum that I want you to cover with the people in those churches Part of that curriculum was regarding the home, magnifying the Lord in their home. There's a plea in the scriptures to magnify the Lord in the home. But now I want us to see, number two here, the priorities of magnifying the Lord in our homes. If we are going to indeed magnify the Lord in our homes, what priorities do we need to have? And uh, first of all, if we go back to uh, 2 Timothy, if your Bible's open to Titus chapter 2, which just uh, on the other page or one page behind, 2 Timothy 3, uh, we're going to see here this home that Timothy grew up in and the priorities that they had there in that home. Again, I'm kind of glad that it wasn't this perfect, ideal Christian home. I'm it's significant that there was it was a little bit on the dysfunctional side because oh, the mom was the believer, but the dad wasn't. And so, you know, there are some who are, who are like that here in America and in our day and age, and they say, well, I can't raise a godly kid. Yes, you can. It was done in this day and age, back in Timothy's day, and, you know, people are people. People haven't changed that much. Um, and I, I think if, if, if mom can do it in Timothy's day, mom can do it in 2020 here in America. 
So what were the priorities that they had in the home there? First of all, they had the Scriptures as a big priority. In verse 14, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Well, he must have gone to VBS. He must have gone to Sunday school. Certainly that's where he learned the Scriptures. Maybe, maybe some other people were helping him learn the scriptures, but I am telling you it was mom and grandma that were the major influences when it came to getting the scriptures into Timothy's heart. If you look in uh, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, verse number 5, Paul says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You see, the Lord used Eunice, his mom, and Lois, his grandma, to impart the word of God to Timothy. When it comes to the scriptures, here's a couple things we need to do with the scriptures when it comes to our homes. First of all, we need to teach the scriptures diligently. We need to teach the scriptures diligently. Teach them diligently. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Here God is speaking to Israel and, and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So mom and dad... We need to make sure, first of all, I mean, we most of us know what the next verse says. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Before we get into verse 7, we need to look at verse 6. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So mom and dad, the word of God needs to be in our hearts first. We need to be uh, in God's word and, and God's word needs to be in us. These words which I command thee to say shall be in thine heart. And then once they are in our hearts, verse 7, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. We are to teach them diligently unto our children. Now I'm all for teaching a lot of different life lessons to our children. I'm all for that. That needs to happen. You know, like how to do your finances. That's an important lesson to learn for sure. Um, you know, just how to do life. But if we don't get the scriptures into their hearts, can we really say that we're magnifying the Lord in our homes? I say no. That's what we're talking about this year is magnifying the Lord and, and looking at our homes and how are we doing it teaching our children the scriptures. It's not just like we're supposed to sneak them in. No, we're to teach them diligently. How are we doing in that? Are we diligently teaching the scriptures to our children? Now, practically, how can we do this? Well, in verse 7 of this passage here, it says, Thou shalt talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. In other words, 
just kind of look for a lot of opportunities. It's not just one set time, although I would say practically it is good to have a set time where you are teaching the scriptures to your children. You can call it family Bible time. You can call it family devotions. You can call it what you want to call it, but have a time where you are actually taking God's word and opening it together as a family, and you are reading the scriptures to your children. You say, well, my children are like three. Let's look at Leviticus chapter number two. No, you're not going to be teaching some of those uh, big, intense, deep doctrinal truths. But look, it's your responsibility, mom and dad, and it's my responsibility as a father to teach my children diligently the word of God. And I know, really, anything and everything would like to crowd that out. And sometimes it's one of the last things that I want to do. But God's Word tells me if I'm going to magnify the Lord in my home, the Scriptures need to be taught diligently to my children. Now, I've mentioned, I hope that our children here, and I hope that right now, the children over in the other building are getting taught the Scriptures. I I know that's happening, and I'm thankful for those who do that. But it's not just the church's responsibility. It's primarily the mom's and dad's responsibility to get the Word of God into our children's hearts. And so the Scriptures need to be a big priority. And in order to do that, we need to teach them diligently. And what else? We need to put them on display as well. Put them on display. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we talked about teaching. But then right after that, It goes and says in verse number 8, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So put them on display, first of all, on your walls. You say, well, this is kind of a weird thought, to put the scriptures on the walls of our home. Now, that's really what the what God is expecting the nation of Israel to do is to get the word of God in front of the eyes of our children, of your children. Um, that, and by the way, that's not necessarily going to be a magic bullet. You say, well, yeah, we printed up some scriptures and put them on the wall, and therefore my kid is going to be perfect. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. But if we're putting a lot of other things on the walls and we're not putting the scriptures, what is that saying? And I'm all for wonderful, beautiful art. And if you go into my office, I have lighthouses. I love lighthouses. That's wonderful. But look, if we're not putting the Word of God on, we're putting all kinds of other things on. That's showing the priority there. And if we're just talking about magnifying the Lord in our homes this morning. That's what we're talking about. Here's a way in which we can do that, is to put them on display. Most of us are aware that the Ten Commandments were taken out of the public schools several years ago. And uh, I read through this a little bit on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but not everybody was there. So I'm going to talk about some of the uh, side effects, some of the consequences of taking the Ten Commandments out of the public schools. Some of the differences that have taken place because of that uh, one decision. And uh, again, I know that... um, It's not a magic bullet, but boy, when you see the Word of God, it makes a difference. The Word of God is powerful. 
Okay, what is the Ten Commandments? The first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. What's the result of that not being on display, not being taught uh, in, our, in our schools? Well, church attendance has continued to decline. People are into horoscopes, witchcraft, zombies, and communicating with the dead. Atheism is rising, and people choose sports or extracurricular activities over church events. Because you shall have no other gods before me has been removed. And so now, they're having other gods before them, before the Lord. Number two, you shall not make any idols or graven images. Well, what has happened since then? Well, sports figures, movie stars, musicians, and rich people are held in more esteem than God. Illegal drug usage is up 6,000% since then. And I'll just say this, I'll be honest, this was true in my own life as a youngster. I was Yes, I was young at one point. But I remember growing up in my room, I had a poster of uh, a running back for the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, Marcus Allen. He was my favorite, favorite football player. And then I had a poster of my favorite hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. I don't know, I don't think either one of them are believers. I don't know that that was, and, you know, I don't really want to get into all of it today, but. I think that I would have been better off to have scriptures on my wall versus those two guys. I didn't need to be idol worshiping them. I needed to be worshiping the Lord. And uh, there's a lot of other worse, I'm sure, that are out there that are on walls of teenagers' homes uh, in our day and age. Okay, uh, commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, what's happened since then? Foul language, of course, is now allowed on television, radio, and movies. I just read about a Burger King commercial that has a cuss word in it. Uh, that just happened uh, within the last couple days. The youth embrace swearing in music and daily speaking because they were not taught to honor God. And it's just kind of part of culture now. Okay, what else has happened? Or commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, it's happened since that's not in front of us anymore. Well, businesses are now open on Sunday, except for one. You're all thinking, well, not Chick-fil-A. Amen. Uh, businesses are open on Sunday to make a profit, and people choose work over attending church, sporting events, movies, and other activities take people away from their homes so they can't rest. And we're so exhausted when money, Monday comes around. Honor your father and mother is the fifth commandment. What's happened since that one has taken away? Well, the home doesn't expect respect of mothers and fathers anymore. Their divorce rate has skyrocketed. Many women choose to raise their children without a father. Blended families struggle to unify. Same-sex families and transgender families are on the rise. And more elderly parents are forgotten. Child abuse cases increased 2,300%. You shall not murder. Thou shall not kill. What's happened since that one has been removed? The crime rate is, of course, unbelievable. Youth are bringing guns to school to kill people who make them angry. We hear of a murder almost every day. Television, movies, and video games have glamorized killing, thus numbing the senses of our youth to respect each person as a creation of God. And teen suicide is up 450%. We've taken out, you shall not commit adultery. 
what's happened since that one's been removed. Divorce continues to rise even in the Christian communities. You say, well, that's outside the... No, that's inside the doors as well. We have become self-centered. It's all about me and my needs. People lack commitment. Divorce rates have increased 350%, and teen pregnancies, of course, have escalated. Thou shall not steal. What's happened? Because that one's been removed. People have come to the point where they, when they see something they want, they find a way to steal it instead of work for it. Criminal arrests of teens increased 150% since the Ten Commandments have been removed. Thou shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, what's happened since then? Well, all we have to look at is our, uh, all we have to do is look at our government leaders who demonstrate that lying is acceptable. Just don't get caught. And violent crimes, of course, have increased. They've increased 350%. Thou shall not covet the last commandment that we'll mention today. Our society wants to keep up with their neighbor's home, vehicle, clothes, and private school just in order to look good at work or in their community. Backbiting at work to get a promotion is a form of coveting. Bullying may be a form of coveting others in reverse. The bully thinks he's cooler, smarter, and better in every way. You can see the result of removing the display of God's Word in our society. I would encourage you, you may not be able to fix that in public schools, but you can certainly have control over what's on your walls at home. So what is on your walls? I would encourage you to put Scripture there so that your children know how important the Word of God is. So we need to display them, put them on display on your walls, but also, most importantly, in your walk. If you say, well, I've put a few verses on the wall, and I'm just going to sit back and live how I want to live. No, friend, uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the whole message. Because you and I better be living the Word of God before our children, before our grandchildren, so that they see an unfeigned faith that is in us first, so that it will hopefully be in them as well. Second uh, Timothy 1 and verse number 5 when I call remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. We must live the scriptures before our children and grandchildren. They need to see it lived. See, Timothy saw his mom and grandma live out the scriptures in their walk. It's been said many times before, but again, your talk talks. Your walk talks, but I'm telling you, my friend, your walk talks way louder than your talk talks. We need to be talking. We need to be teaching them diligently. I just got done saying that, but look, our life better match up. You see, their faith was unfeigned, which means it was genuine, it was authentic, it was sincere, it was the real deal. Scriptures were first in their hearts, and then it was in their walk. Moms and dads, if we're going to really magnify the Lord in our homes, we need to have the Scriptures be a big priority in our homes. Secondly, another priority we need to have is salvation needs to be a big priority in a home that magnifies the Lord. Back in uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, in verse 15, Paul says this, 
and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation needs to be emphasized in a home that magnifies the Lord. In order to do that, first of all, we need to tell them the gospel. We need to tell them the gospel. Look, I hope that your children are hearing the gospel here at church. They should. But they need to be hearing it at home, too, and from you. Noah made sure that his children understood how to escape from judgment. He said, I know that God is going to judge this world with a great flood, and I want to make sure... Look, I hope that the rest of the community comes in the boat, but if they don't, I don't want to miss my own children. I want to make sure that they're there with their wives. And he was effective in that. There were only people on that boat. Noah, his wife, his three boys, and, and their wives. That was it. Eight people on that whole boat. And uh, those who have been out to the Ark Encounter know how big that is. ginormous. Only eight people to be on there. It probably could have fit a lot more. But Noah was mostly concerned about making sure that his children were on that boat. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, I want to make sure, I want to encourage you to make sure that your children, your grandchildren, are on the ark of salvation. That they have come to know the Lord Jesus as their, uh, as their Savior. I mentioned Eli a moment ago at the beginning of the message. Eli a minister, a servant of the Lord. He was so busy serving the Lord that he lost his own boys. And here's what it says, sadly, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. How sad. If there, was, if there were any boys that should have known the Lord, it, were, it was Eli's boys. Because Eli was Mr. Servant. He was the priest. He was involved in the work of God, and yet his boys did not know the Lord. I want to make sure that, look, I want more Oklahoma to know the Lord, but, but my first priority is make sure that Seth Johnson, that Luke Johnson, that Faith Johnson, and Mark Johnson all know the Lord. That's my first priority. And moms and dads, that needs to be your priority for your children. We need to tell them the gospel. But we also need to show them the gospel. Once again, our manner of lives better back up the message of our lips. No one is perfect, but the overarching direction of our lives, is it consistent with the gospel? Does our life point to the gospel? Uh, Eunice, his mom, uh, the, her life backed up the message. Uh, Lois, his grandma, it, it backed up the message. Does yours. Philippians 1.27, Paul said, Only let your conversation, your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Does your life match the gospel? 1 Corinthians 9.14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel... Here it is, should live of the gospel. You say, well, yeah, pastor, you better live of the gospel because you're preaching the gospel. And you're right, that does apply to me. 
But it also applies to you too, mom and dad, if you're preaching the gospel at home, and you should be. You better be living of the gospel as well. Look, when it comes to giving the gospel to our children, please understand that it is a show-and-tell scenario. Just like back in the day as the little ones would go to school and have a show-and-tell, and they would bring some object from their home. You and I don't just need to tell them. We need to show our children the gospel through our lives. All right, what's another priority of a home that magnifies the Lord? Well, sanctification. And back in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You say, well, Pastor, you just talked about salvation. All my kids are saved. Good. But it doesn't end there. You see, it's your job now to disciple them. It's your job to see them grow. It's your job to use the Scriptures to uh, help them to understand doctrine, to help them understand reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. It's your job to see them grow and to be sanctified and set apart for God's use. You can't just stop at salvation and say, got that one checked off, done. Now it's time to relax. I'm done now. No, no, no. There's still work to do. You now need to work at growing your children in the faith, teaching them the truths of God's Word. You're not done at the moment of salvation. That really almost is the beginning. So sanctification is a priority. And then fourthly, service is a priority of a home that magnifies the Lord. Verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Oh, I'm thankful this morning that we're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace alone through faith. But we are saved. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Most of us are very familiar with with these two verses. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The very next verse says this. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Titus 2.14, Paul said, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So we're not saved to sit, we're saved to serve. And so the question here is, are we modeling a life of service to the Lord? Look, a family that is magnifying Christ in their home makes serving Him a priority. Look for ways to serve the Lord together as a family. Find things to do. Look, we're having some all-church prayer and outreaches coming up on the first Saturday of every month. What a beautiful time to take your children and go and Invite people in our community to church. You say, well, they don't know what to say, but they can sure walk along with you and hand that person a tract. And by the way, they probably will take it from them more likely than they would from you. Because they have the cute factor, and you and I, well, they have it more than us, okay? Get your children involved in serving the Lord. You say, well, if they do that, then they may... Become a a missionary someday. 
I don't really want them to go halfway across the world. What a, what a wonderful, awesome thing that would be if they did. I know it would be tough. I mean, you want to be around the grandkids. I get it. But it's a small price to pay for a young man or a young lady who's serving the Lord with her, his or her life. Let me wrap this up this morning by uh, hitting this last thought here, the potential of magnifying the Lord in our homes. I just kind of want us to think this morning, what if, what if every home in Cornerstone Baptist Church decided that, you know what, in 2020, we're going to really seriously strive to magnify the Lord in our home. What could happen? I just want to kind of quickly look at Timothy. What happened in Timothy's life because his mom and his grandma decided that, yes, it's not the ideal situation. Ideally, dad would come alongside and be the spiritual leader, but since he's not, we're going to do what we can to magnify the Lord in our home. And and what happened there? Well, Timothy, as we saw in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, was a disciple So that means that he got saved, and Paul mentioned that the unfeigned faith that was in his mom and grandma was now in him. So now Timothy is in the faith. Later it says Paul, uh, or Paul referred to Timothy as Paul's son in the faith. Paul referred really to Timothy as his right-hand man, a man who Paul said was like-minded in the book of Philippians, if you remember us going through that part. Look, Timothy went on to serve the Lord in an, an impactful way. In fact, as you study the life of Timothy in the New Testament, you'll find that he served and ministered and get this, five different churches. The church at Thessalonica, the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, the church at Ephesus, and the church at Berea. You say, well, how did it all end for Timothy? He must have faded away after mom and grandma passed on. No, no. This isn't what happened. Now, according to the Fox's Book of Martyrs, Timothy was the celebrated disciple of Paul and the pastor of the church at Ephesus, where he zealously served the church till A.D. 97. This period, as the pagans were about to celebrate a feast called Katagion, Timothy, meeting the procession, severely reproved them for their ridiculous idolatry which was so exasperated the people that they fell upon him with their clubs and beat him in so dreadful a manner that he expired of the bruises two days later. So here he was a faithful pastor, and and as the celebration was about to go on, he rebuked them for their idolatry, and uh, it caused them to get so angry that he was beaten with clubs, and the bruises were so bad that he died two days later. Compare that with Eli, a man who was serving the Lord and lost his boys. Very sad. Psalm 127, verse 3, Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Friend, where are you aiming your children? Because you are aiming them somewhere. Whether you intend to or not, it's happening. 
I want to encourage and challenge all of us to aim our children to know the truth, to walk in truth, and that our children would indeed share the truth. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whether you realize it or not, you are training your children. The question is, are you training them in the way they should go? Or whether are you training them in the way that they want to go? Big difference. In 1978, Thomas Hansen of Boulder, Colorado, this is back in the late 70s, he sued his parents for $350,000 on grounds of, get this, malpractice of parenting. Mom and dad had botched his upbringing so badly that he charged in his suit that he would need years of costly psychiatric treatment. $350,000. Now, teenagers don't get any ideas. But seriously, I for one want to raise my children in such a way that when they are older, they're not going to be able to say, Dad didn't try to raise me to know the truth. Dad didn't try to raise me to walk in truth. Dad didn't try to raise me to share the truth. No, I want my children to say that they grew up in a home that tried to magnify the Lord in our family. We aren't going to be perfect, but certainly we can strive to indeed magnify the Lord in our home. I have one last story and we'll be done. Michael Anderson grew up in a Bible-believing church in Spokane, Washington. From his boyhood, he loved the subject of space exploration and spent much of his time following the space program, as well as watching science fiction television shows like Lost in Space and Star Trek. He knew from an early age that he would become an astronaut. As he watched the first landing on the moon, he knew one day he would be among those who explored space. He said in his own words, I can't remember ever thinking that I couldn't do it. I never had any serious doubt about it. It was just a matter of when. Well, for Michael, that when came in 1998 when he made his first space flight on the space shuttle Endeavour. The eight-day mission took him on a journey of 3.6 million miles that orbited the Earth 138 times. The mission was a dream come true with hundreds of memorable moments for the first-time space traveler. Michael's second trip to space began on January 16, 2003, aboard the space shuttle Columbia, and this is the crew there on the Columbia. This this 16-day mission conducted over 80 experiments with the crew working long hours under demanding conditions. Most of us might remember on February 1st of 2003, Space Shuttle Columbia was re-entering the Earth's atmosphere when a breach in the outer shell of the craft allowed a superheated atmospheric gas to enter into the body of the shuttle. In a matter of moments, flight systems began warning the crew that something had gone terribly wrong. Moments later, unable to withstand the intense heat, the Space Shuttle Columbia literally disintegrated in the Texas sky just 16 minutes before landing. Michael Anderson and his six crewmates perished in the tragedy. Just a few days later, President Bush shared these words with the American people as as he reflected upon the life of Michael Anderson. And uh, these are President Bush's words. He also told his minister, if this thing doesn't come out right, don't worry about me. I'm just going on higher. 
A few days before the mission, Michael said these words to his church family on video. If I ended up at the end of my life having been an astronaut, but having sacrificed my family along the way, or living my life in a way that didn't glorify God, then I would look back with regret. And having become an astronaut would really not have mattered all that much. Although his mission mission turned fatal, and his life was lost through tragedy, Michael Anderson's children will have a memory of a dad who knew what really mattered in life. He knew that he was saved by the grace of God, and he knew that his family relationships took priority over his personal desire and life's work. He was a man who understood that life is more than dreams and paychecks. He was a man who made a deliberate choice as a husband and father to magnify the Lord in his life and in his home. How about you? How about me? The potential is great. Think of the arrows that we have in this church. Think of the potential. Future servants of God all across this world that could be represented in this room and in this property. If we as homes, as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, would decide that we're going to magnify the Lord in our homes. And with that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge today to put you first in our homes. Lord, I know so many things, and I'm the first to admit how difficult it can be to do this. But, Lord, I understand how important it is and help help our people today to understand how important this, this is. This is the future. This is the now of Cornerstone, but also the future as well. And oh Lord, I pray that you would help us right now to make the decision as families to magnify you in our homes. Help us to put you first. Help us to push things aside that try to take the preeminent spot in our homes. Sports, entertainment, Help us to put those things aside so that we can make sure that you're prominent and preeminent in our homes. Help us, Lord, to live the scriptures and to make the scriptures a big priority. Help salvation to be a big priority. Help sanctification in this growth process to be a big priority. And then help us, Lord, to serve you together as a family. Not just mom and dad doing it all, but including the children. Help us, Lord, to magnify you 